All right, uh, there, uh, if you uh, turn to Romans chapter 8. So last week we uh, went over Jeremiah 29, 11. And, I'm sorry, not last week, two weeks ago. God says he has a plan for you. It's a hopeful plan for you. Uh, that, that scripture is quoted often at high school graduations. Um, and we took a look at the context of that verse. Is you know, it's a lot different than a high school graduation, because uh, that word was spoken in the midst of uh, tumult and rather than calmness. So our confession to God's plan isn't dependent upon our state of stability or security, and this is really important. So our it's not circumstantial. So. We know that God has a plan regardless of the circumstances. But, of course, the Bible is, is, is realistic when it comes to people. And so you have throughout the Psalms this questioning, God, do you know what, you know, do you know what you're doing? Um, and, you know, obviously, that comes to a real concrete head in Job. And God says, you know, were you around when... I made everything. So, um, so you have this great kind of this great image within the kind of entirety of Scripture, where our understanding of God's plan is not dependent upon our state or our circumstances. So it's not like God's plan isn't working out when our lives are a wreck, and that's hard. That's hard to, to you know to kind of accept. The other aspect, too, though, and that's a very comforting thing, is that we looked at Jeremiah and we realized that God struggles with his plan, too. Our struggle with God's plan doesn't mean God isn't struggling with us. Okay, So God's plan isn't easy, even for God. <laughs> so we obviously, you, so, so we will roll into uh, uh, Jesus. So what is God's plan, then, for you? The plan is Jesus... The purpose that everyone would be saved now, meaning that you would experience real life now, even in the, whatever your circumstances are, and eternally, obviously, you know, going to heaven. <coughs> so the big picture for our lives is Jesus, um, and then that means your plans fit with inside Jesus. Now, I got a picture on the board here, two pictures, which I didn't think about. They're not really... I mean, it's pretty simple. So, I always imagine God's plan is like a big circle. Okay? And uh, if anybody's gone through the community, you know, Pastor Rizek uses the circle. Usually has a little baptismal font on one side. I don't know if you ever saw that. And you go into Christ, in Christ. Um, so God's plan is, is a big circle, which we, you know, are inside it. Now, we're safe, we're secure, we're inside God's plan. The problem is, though, is that we like to think about plans this way. Point one, point two, point three, point four. Well, it's a circle, it's not a straight line. So... And oftentimes, 
when we, so the red is like signifies like maybe we went off the path, our perception of going off the path, and maybe the struggles and the highs, and and sometimes we intersect with the kind of the points. We we, we oh we gain understanding of what God's plan is for our life. Well, I I I, I, uh, I don't I don't know if that's that's great because this is very difficult because God's plan. So you, I mean you can. I mean, you're, you could go all over the place in God's plan. Pastor Ruzik says, just keep it down like this. I don't know if that's actually right. All right. I think we might need a new one. Okay. So, um, with respect to this, though, is that it, this is, is, I think, a more helpful understanding because there, within God's plan there is freedom. However, when we are searching for Okay, I need to go to point A in life, you know, point, well, point two, three, four. We see the freedom, and we interpret it as uncertainty. Like, I don't know what to do next, or I don't know what, what's happening next. Well, that's because you have a lot of freedom. Okay, so I, I we keep that in the back of our mind. And it's not like God's plan, though, just stays still, by the way, um, forgot. So, if you put the line together and the circle together, you get this. Um, this is this is terrible. Though. All right. So you get you get like a or if you want to go like this, you could do it this way too. Depending on how you roll. Okay? So, um, and I, I, that's actually uh, probably more realistic to God's way. So, like Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, we, we think about it in straight lines oftentimes. Uh, but it's usually a circle. Circle rolling. So that you have your life inside here. And it's not like you're just staying there. You're actually moving towards something. But, again, there's a lot of freedom within this circle. Okay. Keep that in mind. Because, uh, well, because. Okay. <laughs> Romans 8.28, God's plan is good. So not, not, not only that we, uh, we know that God has a plan for you, it's hopeful, but now we know it's good. We know that for, the, that's Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he uh, called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, Paul says this. Uh, just before this, in Romans 26, 27, he, he mentions how the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Like, we don't know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit helps us with our prayer. Um, and he puts it in the context of this kind of plan and purpose. So, think about struggling. Lord, help me. I don't, sometimes I don't know what to say when I struggle with what's happening in my life. Holy Spirit will intercede. And then he also gives this encouragement that, uh, you know, God has, has been working before you were even born. 
He knew about you. He set you on this path to be what? To be conformed in the Son of, you know, Jesus Christ. So the plan, the picture, all in Christ. And then you have this promise of justification and then also glorification, meaning that it's moving towards this uh, blessedness or glory. So no matter what's happening, you know, circumstantially, these are the true things that, are, ha- that are, are in our life. And so he asks this question, well, you know, what should we say about all this? God is for you. Who can be against you? No one. And nothing. And then there's a very famous passage after. Does anybody know what happens after these verses? There's a great section about love. We are more than conquerors. Shall tribulation separate us from the love of Christ? Shall nakedness? Shall yada, yada, yada? No. For I am sure that nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, so there's, there's a great comfort in this. However, if we take a look at the picture there, there is a lot of freedom for things to happen. You know, basically, positively and negatively. There will be struggles, but there also will be joys. So within this, we have some basic planning within God's plan. You know, what have we said yes to so that we can say no to things? Um, I, I, I should just... I forgot to erase that part. So, uh, when God says it's good... Is it, is it God's good or our good that we're kind of measuring things with? So God's good is measured according to Jesus' work and word for you. So if we take a look at Jesus and we understand, not all, of course, he's the perfect son of God, but just kind of more concretely, like what happens to Jesus turns out for his glorification. That's the plan for us. So things that happen to Jesus happens to his disciples, and that's what he says. So there's struggle, there's suffering. Um, it's not a, a, an easy street. But that doesn't actually disagree with goodness. Our idea of good isn't better than God's. God's better is better. So there's an element of faith now. Do you believe that God is good? Again, now, if we have a tendency to measure God's goodness based on our circumstances... We're going to be in trouble. And, uh, right? Because, you know, if we lose our job or if we're, you know, we don't get the raise or we, I don't know, whatever, something bad happens to us, that causes us to wonder, uh, is God's plan a good plan for me? If anybody travels throughout the world, you'll realize that there's a lot of circumstantial goodness in your life. Uh, Jan does a lot of traveling in South America and Central America, so, and Nancy's in Africa, and where circumstances are drastically different than the United States. But you have a, a, a whole slew of people, Christians, who, are much happier. well, God is good, they're joyful, 
And, and, and so you, you kind of transport, like transpose their circumstances into our, our context and, and ask yourself, you know, am I, you know, can I have as much faith in God's plan as these people do? And I think that helps us understand then in terms of kind of what God is doing in our life is, is much more than what we ever can anticipate it in terms of circumstance. So the good plan, so a, a good plan might be just that, good, but that doesn't, so it doesn't mean it's best for you. So th- that I can't play in words here now. So sometimes we think, hey, this is a good plan. We often have to wonder, though, if it's best for us. And I have a little quote here. The church often is known for taking great things and making them small. So God might have, God, God's good is measured by Jesus, and of course Jesus has this um, radical way. You know, I mean, he says to his disciples, don't take a knapsack. Um, you know, so there's possessions, material understanding of our way of, of, of life. Then also there's a family situation in Mark where people come and say, hey, your, your mother and your family are outside the house. They want to talk to you. And he's like, who is my mother? Who is my brothers? But these who do God's word. So he has a radical understanding of, of family and, and then a radical understanding of love, which, of course, is unconditional. Uh, and, and so what we have, that's God's plan, though, for us. And that's a hard plan, though, because we struggle with our materialism. We struggle with our family. And we, we struggle with unconditional love. But these things are great, according to God's plan. These are great things that will, but we often uh, make them small. And I think, though, that, that thus God's plan sometimes is made worse by our fear of the freedom within. So we have this freedom in God's plan. And freedom for what, though? For good, for failure. So, um, and that—that's something that I think is uh, the reality of things for us in our life. God gives us good things, and sometimes we choose to make them less, make them small, because it's hard. All right, I'm driving. I'm driving that point hard. It's hard. So Scalia says, maybe another way to say that is, drop the plans, step into the path of the Holy Spirit, unencumbered, and let yourself be used. Which, I probably wouldn't say it that way, because being used is kind of gives, uh, coer- like, denotes coercion, right? Or ma- manipulation. Also, drop the plans. Of course, I mean, we already said that God has a plan, so you can't really drop plans. So you mean these drops your plans that seem to dictate your life? Because, you know, look, I mean, this is something about this image here. So we have this thing going on, and if God's plan is a circle, right, that rolls, this whole part of our life we seem is what? Not according to God's plan. Does that make sense? So... Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, it might come back and our plans and God plans fit, and we think, hey, we're on the right track now. 
But rather than going this way, you know, now we're going down. You're like, what? There were so many good things happening, God. What happened? You know, and then we come back again. and um, so, so when we say drop the plans, we're, we're basically dropping our plans. And we're, we're getting in step with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we see in Romans chapter 8. Uh, like I said, be used is probably not the best way to speak. It denotes coercion, but she obviously doesn't mean it this way. Um, which she, uh, I, I put the schedule becomes an idol. The plan becomes an idol when it no longer facilitates life, but runs life. So your plan, you've got to figure out, does your plan give life or take life? Donna. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. All right, so, so first, like, with, a, uh, with miscarriage or family, understanding of family. This goes back to, you know, what I just said earlier is that Jesus, so we have a very specific plan for our lives, especially, you know, with, as parents. You know, we're going to have children, we're going to, you know, we're going to have a big old family, and everything's going to be great. First of all, that, that's a pretty good plan, I think, right? I mean, it's not a bad plan. However, then, when uh, tragedy strikes us, yeah, or, and your, your, your children die, whether it be in the womb or, you know, in a, in a car accident, we have to ask ourselves, then, uh, does that mean a family isn't for us? And, of course, God would say no. And Jesus says no, because... Our family now is no longer defined by by our blood relations. Well, it's defined by a certain blood relation, the blood of Jesus. So then, so we understand then in a larger in our larger picture, the bigger picture, how even tragedy can fit within God's plan. Because in God's plan is what? In terms of tragedy or suffering. Well, the good. Yeah, but right here. Is the crucifixion. So, this is where, uh, I mean, this doesn't make it any easier. Again, this doesn't make it easier, but it helps us understand. And from, from that moment then, restoration, or at least just kind of moving on with life, can happen. So that, I mean, for, for every miscarriage, guess where that miscarriage def- under, uh, receives meaning and a hope? It's at the foot of the cross. It, but that's, that's, I mean, that's not easy, though. Also, also, 
Because where does the where does the crucifixion end on Friday? You stick around next week and you'll find out, right? No. That's why at the end of the Good Friday service we have what? No benediction. We just leave in silence. Because the crucifixion where, where does the crucifixion end? Sunday morning, resurrection. So this is the great thing, is that God's plan encompasses the tragedy of miscarriage. But yet doesn't keep it there. It moves on to the hope of the resurrection. See, what we understand, though, in terms, sometimes we understand tragedy, though, is that it's out here, outside of God's plan. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, check with Israel, 40 years in the desert. Well, exactly. Well, so, okay, exactly. So we, that's where, um, you know, three days in the tomb, sometimes we, we think, hey, I can handle tragedy for three days. Mm-hmm. But this is where the Old Testament is really helpful because 40 years in the desert, God made these promises to these people that you will enter into this land of milk and honey. And, of course, we understand that in terms of heavenly under, you know, reality. But for that generation, though, Mary... It lasted what? Their entire life. They never saw. They never saw that. But that doesn't. But that again. That doesn't. That doesn't. That doesn't mean that they're outside God's plan. That, that means that they're still inside it. Yeah, oh yeah. But see, this is the great thing, though, is that. Yeah. But but miscarriage. I mean miscarriage and tragedy. And when I say tragedy, I mean. Like tragic things, bad things happening to you, not bad things because, you know, I just I, I you know I sin. I mean that's a, that's the consequence of your sin. You know, I mean. So let's see here, give a personal thing here. Uh, okay, yeah, this is a good one. Graduated college, and Holly's not here, so you can tell her about. It. Graduated college. Um. Had no real plan. Well, I kind of had a plan, kind of. Uh, one of them, though, was I was not going back home. That was my plan, basically. I am not going back home. I'm going to live on my own. I'm not going to go back to my parents. So, we're uh, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, I, uh, one of my friends, I, I have to be an usher in a wedding. I get to be an usher in a wedding. It's in Philadelphia. My dad says, hey, you know, do you, how are you going to get out there? I said, oh, don't worry, I got it. You're not going to drive your car, are you? No, not at all. I'm lying now. Because <laughs> I'm driving my 1984 Parisian that I bought for 500 bucks, And uh, I thought it was great, good car. I mean, there's no problems with it. But it's old. It, it was, I actually, there was a little rust on the you know, floorboard, and you could, I mean, it was really small, but you could literally see through the floor. Yeah. So, um, making a trip from Wheaton out to Philadelphia, that's a big, hey, back, is a big commitment. So, I was like, you know what, this, this, everything's going to be okay. So I get, I made it out to Philadelphia. On the way to the wedding rehearsal, Click. It, 
my starter breaks or whatever. The thing doesn't work. So thankfully someone came back to the hotel, picked me up. Now what am I doing? I have, a, I have less than 100 bucks to my name. I, uh, um, well, so anyway, so these people at the wedding find out about it. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And they, uh, they gave me a hundred bucks. Oh, that's a hundred bucks to my name. Um, and, uh, but I had no way of getting home. I had no idea how to get home. So who do I call? I call my mom and dad. And my dad says, Hey, you lied to me. I know. I am sorry. Can you, you know, I need, I need help. He's like, you know what? You're going to have to get out. You're going to have to find a way home on your own. Whew. All right, I'll tell you what. I was out here. I was out here, but not because. So, I mean, I felt like I was, I was like, come on. I was like, my mom and dad don't love me anymore. It's terrible. But uh, they, they still loved me. But, um, so I, that wasn't really, like, that's not a real tragedy. That's based on my own decisions and my own consequences of my sinful acts of lying and uh, uh, thinking that I was in control. So, uh, long story short, though, I did end up calling Holly, and she bailed me out. It's, it hasn't changed to this day. I, man, well, and I'll tell you right there, I, if we had not, it was a month after we started dating, so I kind of figured. Oh, you were pushing it. Oh, yeah, well, actually, now that I say that, you know, this is a kind of a funny thing. Uh, this is, uh, God had a bigger plan involved, didn't he? So, all right, there we go. So, yeah, Donna, so, I mean, that's, that's a lighthearted story. Is, but the reality is, though, is that sometimes when we make our decisions, and, and they are sinful acts, we are outside God's plan. But when tragedy hits us, though, real tragedy, we can, in fact, be still inside God's plan. Oh, yeah, right. But, um, but yeah, that, that's, that's where the freedom comes. Like the freedom of God's plan, though, again, sometimes we interpret that as the uncertainty. And when, and then when like, tragedy happens, it's like out of control. But it, it's actually not. Okay. Um, all right, so, uh, so our plans can, it cannot be based on our understanding, but on God's understanding. And that's Isaiah 55, 7 through 9, which we'll actually turn to a little bit later. But um, so wisdom understands this. Now, I, I can't remember if, uh, I, think, I think she mentions this in the book. So last week, remember, the promise to the land is only for the landless. Thus, a real plan is only for the landless. All right, so no plan should ever be more important than God's plan. Uh, now, I just have to add a little bit of a tangent before we get to, to surrender, which it goes back to Donna's question. Um, you know, what happens when you have no plan? Having no plan is, in fact, a plan, okay? And think about the college graduate. Uh, you know, this is, this is me. I, this is a little bit, you found out why I wrote this. 
Think about the college graduate who is back home doing nothing. Not not living at home, but like I mean, at home, like no job, nothing going on. Well, yeah, but I mean, some people are living at home, but they have a job. I mean, basically, they have to live at home because of the the debt, and that that that's a great plan. That's a good plan. I'm thinking more about those who had a very limited plan, meaning like I'm going to go to high school, I graduate high school, I go to college, and they're just basically kind of just rolling with it. Um, anyways, I, I I just bring this up because it's it's not in the context of a larger plan. Okay, so sometimes. This goes to the question about, like, uh, you know, what are you living for? Like, what's your purpose? And that we find that back in Jeremiah, or Ephesians chapter 1, we looked at last week, that our purpose is, is living according to the, God's plan, and that God's plan, then, is for life, love, and the expansion of his kingdom. You know, winsome witness, I guess, is what we say at St. John. It's one of those points. So, um, but when we, you know, kind of have no plan, then we're kind of out here because no plan is really our plan. But sometimes when tragedy hits, we still think it Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, but so sometimes, you know, it, it's this, you know, uh, which comes into the next step. So how do you kind of figure this out? Like, what, what's the reality of it? And this is where we put ourselves in under God's control, or surrender. Page 99. How well are we reflecting this truth that God wants only what is good for us, and that if we only trust, the very hardest thing, because it involves a willing surrender of our own, self, our own sense of control, then our lives will be richer for it. Surrender is very important. Um, you know, that involves trust, belief, uh, confession, uh, you know, just the whole nine yards. Um, surrender as surrender is means a complete letting go. We have a tendency to surrender until it gets uncomfortable. Or surrender as a means to an end. And this, I think, is very important to kind of contemplate. Like, uh, we always think of surrender as losing. A lot of times, right? Like, I surrender in a war. I just lost the war. And nobody wants to be a loser. But when you surrender in a war, it's a means to what? A means to an end. But when God talks about surrender, it's not a means to an end, but it's actually a state of being. So, you hear this a lot of people. God, I did what you said. And now look. Meaning, I surrendered myself to this point, and now I think something else should happen. That, that's not how God works. Surrender is you're living inside here all the time. Surrender is this land that you live in. And so we often kind of think about surrendering as a, if I surrender, then I get something. And I'm really after this. Um, now, so that, that happens, though. We do receive gifts. But you're never in the state of not surrendering. Okay, Donna. 
Oh, yeah, good, good, good. Yep. No. Uh, Mary. All right, so Mary, what Mary describes is a couple things. I mean, thank you very much, Mary. Um, I should probably use the black marker. All right, so, uh, you know, this thing that, you know, sometimes things that we do, I mean, divorce is a very messy situation for a variety of reasons. But um, sometimes divorce is based on our decisions. I, well, actually, Mary, you said it was your decision. You know, but we always think, you know, we always think maybe self, you know, self-serving decisions. But obviously, Mary described a situation that wasn't self-serving. She, it was made against, yeah. Um, but what we find out, though, again, this this plan is not static. This plan is so so wonderful that guess what? God's plan can envelop this tragedy. Okay. Uh, or, or even uh, not not tragedy, uh, well, tragic situation, but but uh, this this you know bad situation, bad experience, horrible thing, and now encompass like bring it in within the the presence of God's plan. Remember, we remember last week. God's plan is not easy, and He struggles with His own plan. Okay, so uh, we shouldn't find it confusing to struggle with God's plan also. But again, so he's bringing this thing, and what does he bring? He's drawing it towards the cross. Uh, One of the most, I think, uh, one of the things that I read in a seminary that I'll always remember is uh, this letter that Martin Luther wrote to this mother whose son committed suicide. And he... um, he had nothing really to say except for he kept bringing this woman to the foot of Jesus for the crucifixion. He said, any thoughts you have, you need to bring back to the foot of the cross. The, foot of the, the crucifixion, will, that's the only thing that will make sense of anything. But of course, the crucifixion, though, is a mystery, meaning that it doesn't make sense. Why did a perfect, why did any other person have to die? Why did God have to die? Well, we, we can say because we sinned. Okay, but unconditional love and grace doesn't make sense. There's, there, it, it, it's, it's unconditional. It's, it's, it's un, you're unworthy. You're undeserved. So, um, uh, so this is a, is a real helpful thing for us. Again, it doesn't make it easier. But it puts us in a place where God is with us. And that the trajectory of this pain and suffering has a purpose. Uh, and it, it actually uh, finds its purpose in the resurrection, or its fulfillment in the resurrection. Okay. Uh, I mean, you can, you can do everything with that. You can just, you can bring that all together. So the thing is, though, is that, like, yeah, it's a state of surrender. So, uh, you know, Mary just described that. You know, hey, I'm going to surrender to this part of my life to you, God. But eventually, right, I won't have to. I can just get away from it. 
Yeah, but but that's not how it works, though. You're you're there's this constant struggle. Yeah. So. Yeah, Krista. <laughs> um, I I uh, I had it earlier times. Um, sometimes uh, doubts, or, or uh, as you said, uh, you don't know. Right. When you are finished with school, also what you should do. Yeah, right. I had certain plans. But is it not sometimes that people are guiding you right. in a certain way? Yep. And uh, uh, then you can say, uh, when you are looking back, yeah, yeah perhaps that was um, my destiny. Or, sure. Uh, that was my plan. And, uh, um, but on the other hand, I can, it can be that you have people who are not <laughs> so... Um, or advise you in a different way. Right, right, yep, sure. Okay, good. So um, this is, uh, okay, so we didn't really talk about the human element, but in terms of, like, God's plan, like, how, how do we know God's plan? And But God uses people and circumstances, but Krista brought up people. And, you know, parents help guiding children, right? Um, if they listen, right? But parents, you know, too, though, I mean, it's, uh, that's, I'm going to make it kind of, like, uh, simple. Uh, okay, um, actually, the, these chairs are, I just thought about this. Uh, I ate lunch with my family, and my son, you know, he's five years old. He loves these chairs, but if anybody knows anything about these chairs, they are not stable. Right? Okay. So he's standing on it, and of course... You know, Holly's and Penelope and I were all together, and he's kind of screwing around, just being with him. What? So, of course, Holly says, Isaac, yes, yeah, sit down. Okay. She wants the best for Isaac. She, that's true. Well, I'm thinking, yeah, I don't think he's really going to learn until he falls. Lo and behold, guess what happens? Hey, hey buckles, he falls, whacks himself on the table. Um, you know, it's one of those things where, I mean, that's a simple little, little dealio. Like, we have plans. I have, uh, Holly had a plan for Isaac to be safe and secure in his chair. Parents always want their children to be safe and secure and on this right path towards, you know, success and, and living, blossoming as a child. A child. And uh, on certain elements, I think everybody kind of does that for people, whether it be a, a mentor, a teacher, uh, a professor, whatever. They're guiding people along a path that they feel is best. Now, of course, I mean, you know, that's a simple example, but yeah, that, that's a good idea for Isaac to stay in his chair. But of course, Isaac's the type of person where he will not learn until what? He experiences it. I mean, that, that's just how I, that's how I was. I mean, that's why I stuck my finger on the cigarette lighter like three times as a kid. Um, don't tell me what to do. Show me what to do so I can do it and learn it in the process. Holly, yeah, I mean, I can say all these things. Holly's not here, but she, I, she, yeah, that's something we had to learn. She's telling me how to do things. I'm like, I don't get it. I just told you. I know, but I, I, don't, I don't, you just got to show me. Come with me. Show me how to do it. So anyways, so with respect to what Krista is saying is that Many people are, are, are leading us along the path, and some of us listen, and we follow, and, and we experience life, and, and, and really enjoy it, and we learn it, and, and we keep going. 
Other times, though, um, that, that what we perceive as being rejected, like my son, you know, did he not really listen to Holly? Well, he just understands it better now that, it, that he, he crashed and fell. He's like, oh, yeah, mom's right. I should listen to her. Um, and so sometimes our failure in life is instructive based on what people are guiding us on. So I would say that's, like a, that's a good, good way of understanding certain things, where sometimes everything works out great, other times there are struggles, but you're still moving along the same path according to the mentor, the leader. Other times, though, people are leading others, though, for their own purposes. And so, so okay, so, that, I mean, God's plan, right, for my son. Is it God's plan to, for my son to, like, you know, experience pain and suffering? No. However, that pain and suffering can be encompassed into the larger plan of him learning that, in fact, he needs to sit down on the chair. Again, this is very simple. So you've got you to use your brains to kind of apply it to your own life. I mean, I can, I can think of eight million examples. Other times, though, people might say to Isaac, sit down and be quiet, because why? Because they can't handle noise. They can't handle kids running around. They just can't take it. So they're going to force the child to sit still and be quiet. So it's more about them and not about the child. And at times, parents are like that, right? I mean, we're all like that, and we confess, and we change our ways. But think about it in terms of uh, a larger scope, where you actually then become manipulative for a person. And you, as, a, you know, as people help you, you know, you struggle with these plans, um, and sometimes people are manipulating you, or, or coercing you to do things that you don't want to do, and sometimes you don't want to do them because you really shouldn't be doing them. And that's the evaluating, understanding God's will. So, you know, could, could someone else come by and have a different plan for you that conflicts with where you were at before? Absolutely. So, so for the two reasons now. For the two reasons that sometimes you have to go through the kind of the, like the, I don't say pain and suffering, but you have to go through the struggle in order to understand or learn. Then the other aspect, though, is, is that sometimes um, you, you find out that the changing in plans, though, is based on uh, the, the reality that someone's trying to manipulate you. So uh, since Wheaton College is graduating soon, I've talked to a couple kids already, and this has come up. Um, you have a, a group of children. You have, you have, I had a young man who came, and he... Uh, has been studying a course, a line of course of study that sets him off on a certain career path. He's going to graduate in a month, and he does not want to do it. Why, why did he do that? Because that's what his parents wanted him to do. His course of study now, though, what he wants to do is something that's very good. I mean, the job that he's seeking, or he wants to do, is very good, but not according to his parents' plan. Well, why do your parents want to do this? Or Because they think, what? This is, he's going to be successful, he'll have a nice job, he'll make enough money, have us support his wife, his children, everything will be okay. Now, on a certain level, that's an okay plan, that's a good plan, but is that the best plan for this young man? I don't know. 
So now he's going through the struggle of figuring out what he should do. Another person, no, another young man, he uh, spent the last four years on this course of study that he felt like this is what God's plan is for him. But now he's gone through a lot of struggle, a lot of failing. Uh, not fa- I mean, I'm sorry, he, he didn't fail any classes, but he uh, didn't do as well as he thought he should. And the experiences have led him to realize that, you know what, this is not what is for him. You have two people who are now in the same point of life. They're going to graduate. And they're both figuring out the last four years have been, on a certain level, a total waste. I mean, you know, in a sense, right? Why are you going to college? Well, I went to college to study to be a teacher. Are you a teacher? No. Or I went went to go uh, to be a doctor. Are you a doctor? No. I I just, I mean that kind of anecdotally, like a total waste, because of sorts, not a waste. So you have, you have one person who is figuring out, so they, in a sense, like the Isaac story, they fall and hit their head on the table and they realize, okay, this is maybe not great. And, but they're off on, they've learned what God is doing with their lives in a way that maybe they never really thought they were going to. The other person, though, is in a situation where they actually have to confront their, his parents and say, you know, I, I, I don't think this is what, this is where God's leading me. And he's going to define now himself, not according to his parents' plan, but according to God's plan. And, and so what's, what we find out, though, is that both of their experiences is kind of like in this dot. But now they're at the point now where God's enveloping them, and they're gaining kind of clarity and direction. But that, that's real hard to figure out. And a lot, sometimes it goes through struggles and failures, and then there's other people, and you probably know them. Maybe you're one of those people who seem to, it, you know, just kind of always works out. You know, I, I got friends like that where he's a surgeon in, in Wisconsin. He, valedictorian in high school. He's going to go play football up in northern Michigan. He's going to study to be an orthopedic surgeon. And lo and behold, guess what he is? An orthopedic surgeon. I mean, it was boom, 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 boom. And that's just the way his name's Gary. That's just the way things are. He just figured it out. Now, of course, if you asked him, has his life been, you know, perfect, or he'd be like, no. But, of course, from our perspective, he's like, well. Is, is all the work and study and yada, yada he did, was that what God planned? Uh, maybe. Maybe. I mean, well, first of all, uh, where we said it, you know, it takes a long time. But you might find out that maybe God has, you know, uh, more in store for him or different. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it, it, that's part of the thing, though, about when we make plans. And this is at the end. We, we can just skip towards that. Is, uh, well, first of all, uh, Scalia does a very good thing at, on page 101. They, plans, clutter us up and create blockades to the most primal part of our inmost being, the part where God speaks and through which, if barricades are down and lines are open, the divine plan may show itself. She uses the word may, and I capitalized and highlighted. That's really important for us because he might not. God just might not. And that's Isaiah 55, 7 through 9. Um... 
I can just quote it for you. Uh, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are your, not your thoughts. Um, but before it, before, that's uh, 8 and 9, but on verse 7, he says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. So we're always, you know, we're always turning towards God in prayer, worship, scripture, because um, these are the places where, so uh, word sacrament, to use Lutheran, we seek God in those places because that's where he will be found. And uh, that will enable us and strengthen us to get through the parts that we can't understand. Um, I, so that's important. So th- that, that's something for you to, I think, I always think about Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, especially. Okay, but skip down to the next, the last part. When making plans, see them with, within the context of being in Christ. So when you make plans, you have to leave room for more, which is another way of saying change. Leave room for uncertainty. That means surprise. You might be surprised. Leave room for repentance. You might be wrong. And then leave room for renewal. God will restore a restoration. I think those four things are really helpful when we understand plans. I think. I don't know. There could be more, but I, I think four is enough to remember. So as you, as you play this out concretely, when you make a plan and things have to change, you, you, you could be, it could be okay. Again, it might be hard, and that, that's part of our struggle is because it's going to be hard. You know, you're not going to be able to catch up on your, you know, Next episode of, uh, I don't know, Downton Abbey. Uh, at least that's what I think. <laughs> um, you leave room for uncertainty. Meaning that, you know, there's this, there's this thing I know we're heading in this direction, and I'm not, but I'm not sure exactly what will happen. I used to say leave room for imp- improvising. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of leave it uncertainty now. You know, because uh, if anyone ever watched Who, Whose Line Is It Anyways? Do you guys remember that show? It's a funny show, right? They give a little scenario, and then the actors have to act it out. But they definitely don't give every line to the situation. They don't even, like, they just give you kind of a plan. Go to it. I always think about improvising. I think life is full of improvising. Well, th- that actually guards against not being disappointed because, you know, it, whose line is anyways, if you have all these lines that you need to remember and do exactly like you, you should, when it doesn't work out or like you fail, then you're, you're bummed out. But if you don't have that, then you're, you're free. You're free to do something. Um, in fact, uh, I'm just going to write it down. It, well, never mind. If you're interested in it, Bruce Benson, philosophy professor from Wheaton College, has written books on uh, improvising and philosophy, and they're really good. So you should check them out. All right, leave room for repentance, meaning that you know you could be wrong on your plan. And you, sometimes you have to say, you know what, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the decisions I made. Sorry for the plans I made. But the great thing is, though, is that 
Because when you say you're sorry, uh, you're surrendering. And when you're surrendering, then God, then you're, you're in the moment for renewal. And so that's the other part of the problem, too, is that you have to get over yourself when you fail. You are not a failure. Okay? You're a child of God. And God will restore you. Okay, any questions? Yeah. yeah. Okay, chapter 8, next week, Super Idols. This goes with kind of the yes, the yes that we say yes to. I'm sorry, two weeks, April 25th. So that goes, Super Idols. Um, I, that, that's going to be, I think, a lot more. F- I don't know why she put in, put those in the beginning, because these are, I feel like they're more fundamental. But whatever, cool. Um, okay, great. All right, let's pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.